Hello, world. It's Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. Another glorious day. always felt like that saying every day above ground is a good one is uh i don't know dark <laughs> somehow um but as i get older i mean i love i don't know i love every day more than i loved like i'm grateful for them and not like a grateful list kind of way but i guess i am um but it's just like an opportunity i don't know it's just like i get to go another day um and I don't know, that just seems weird. I don't feel old enough to feel <clears throat> like uh, there's any imminence to life. You know, I, I just don't. I, I, but I, I don't know why. As I, And maybe it's that I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just in a different place in my life rather than an age uh, that I'm so grateful uh, lately for just another day. Um, who knows? Maybe I'm sensing that the end of the world is near. And that we're about to be destroyed by some, maybe I know that in my subconscious because I've been visited by aliens. Who knows? I don't know. I just am, I'm glad that, uh, I, I don't know, I just feel like this excitement every day. Uh, that I don't, I mean, I can tell you like two years ago, three years ago, there are days when it's, uh, here we fucking go again. <laughs> that's what a day would be like. There were certain jobs that I had that, I mean, I've had clients that were like five-year-long clients and were my primary clients and uh, just, you know, you, you just loathe days. So I don't, I don't know if it's an age thing or what have you, but I'm glad to be here today. And I'm glad you're with me. Um, joke of the day today. Never date a tennis player. Love means nothing to them. That one I've read too many times didn't make me laugh, but it is kind of funny. Um, I I don't know. I I need to find. I need to find a way that like maybe jokes can come to me, and then be, I love hearing them for the first time. That's it's rare. Yesterday I had a good laugh during the podcast over a joke. Um, but it's rare because I've read them. I went and found them. I grabbed them, put them in my notes for a place where I can go to get jokes. And then I put them in here and I read through all these jokes to find the joke for every given day. And by then it's like, Meh. so I've got to work on that. I got to make it more surprising. Um, I don't know. I got to figure out a way. Just And if anybody has any ideas, let me know. Tell them let's be grateful. What am I grateful for today? My list looks long, but it's not. Um, yesterday was a nearly perfect day. Uh, I was I worked outside. First of all, I mowed yesterday. I was outside with the dogs, with one of our dogs yesterday a lot. And I worked outside. It was one of the challenges we have here is our subdivision is basically built in an old farmer's field. There's not a lot of trees around, not a lot of shade. In fact, there is no shade except for any shade that we've created. 
We have a giant umbrella in the back. It has a 400-pound base on it, and it's I think it's 10 or 13 feet around. It's a big umbrella. And you put it somewhere, and there's plenty of area to sit underneath. And, but the problem is, we because we're built in a farmer's field, and we're attached to a golf course, so there, there's just wind here all the time. Now, yesterday, the reason one of the reasons it was almost a perfect day is because the, the, it was just a gentle breeze yesterday. It wasn't gusty winds. It was just a gentle breeze, five, maybe 10 miles an hour, but it was just constant. Um, with these umbrellas, the thing is you get a gust, and it gets a little uh, scary being underneath the umbrella. So it inevitably happens that I'll be outside. I mowed the lawn. And I was outside with one of my dogs. And while I was making myself some lunch, I noticed the wind was picking up. And this happens to me all the time. And I go outside and I'm like, well, it's not too bad. I I think I'll work out here. And I did for a while. Up until there was a gust of wind that actually shifted the 400-pound base of the umbrella. And it wasn't a big gust of wind, but that's a giant sail on there. It was just enough, and I caught it just the right way, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to be under here. Because then, because once that starts happening, it's distracting. It's hard to work. Every time that happens, you're, you're like <laughs> looking up like, shit, am I going to get, you know? It's uh, it's daunting. So, But it was otherwise, it was almost a perfect day. Uh, we had some people coming by to help with uh, cleaning up our jungle around here. And even they were like, oh, this is such a perfect day, because it's been hot here. And then when it hasn't been hot, it's been crummy, like rainy or whatever. And um, perfect day for them. Uh, and kudos to them. And um, the next thing that I want to talk about that I'm grateful for is I'm so grateful right now in my life that I have this, I'm not beholden to one giant client like I normally am. I normally have one big client and then I have a few other more ancillary clients most I've ever had is like three pretty big clients at one time. Um, and I try to have X amount throughout the course of the year. So, but right now I don't have any and the money has been just fine. But it's allowed me this freedom that I've never had before. Um, I'm reminded of salespeople that I've known in my life where um, they might go catch a movie during the day. They're good salespeople. They have, you know, they're, they're meeting every goal. They're, they're maybe even rock stars, but they have this freedom because not every minute of the day is taken up by sales, whatever. And it's kind of a little joke that they go and they go to brewery games and they go to movies and whatever during the day. And I've never known that kind of freedom. I've never, I, I like if I wasn't, you know, seven o'clock till five, six, seven o'clock, I would feel guilty. I would be like, I, I don't like I don't want to even have a dentist appointment or whatever. I I don't want to change oil in my car, whatever. Well, I don't have that right now. And financially I'm doing fine and it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I don't feel guilty that the way my day was set up yesterday, the best time to mow my lawn was noon. Well, it was eleven actually. I love that. I like that I can mix things in. I like that, I don't know, it's just nobody's, 
like nobody's gonna miss me for an hour. Nobody's gonna. I'd love it. I, it's just it's been life altering. Um, now I hope it stays this way for the rest of my career. <laughs> I really do. It, that would be spectacular. It's like a Simpsons character, isn't it? Uh, this is the meat of the program. It's called what we call What's Eating Kale. And when I say we, I mean me and the little mouse in my pocket. These are things that interest, confound, or gnaw at me. Uh, today, I've got uh, finally Carol Sumbry, uh, and now we have a regular schedule. So we will regularly have Carol Sumbry dog advice, uh, dog behavioral advice um, on the program. So that's going to be good. Uh, today we're going to talk about dog training 101. We've talked about a lot of very specific things in the past, behavioral specifics, but you know, a lot of the behavioral things are because we're not training our dogs well, or we didn't really train them. We train them to do things like sit, you know, come those kind of things. Um, but today we're going to talk about the actual kind of gist of training a dog. And uh, Carol always gives great analogies throughout her talks with me. Uh, but in today's episode, she might fall a little bit short. Uh, clearly not a big, big sports fan. Uh, listen and forgive her for her football slash Super Bowl analogy in here. Uh, I'm sure it'll catch most of you. Uh, there's, But it's funny anyway. And, and the analogy, if you just take it for what it's worth, it's, it's a good analogy. Uh, so this is my conversation with Carol Sumbury on Dog Training 101. My biggest advice I could give people is if you want to change your dog's behavior, we must change our behavior. Yeah. Because, you know, we're supposedly the smarter one in the relationship. <laughs> but, but not just that. If you think about it, you know, and you know I'm going to pick on you and Lisa. That's right. Um if you think about it, dogs, you know, we, we've done these studies now. And again, I do nothing like I did 10, 15, 20 years ago, but we've done studies and they basically have the mentality of a toddler. So, you know, a toddler playing with their friend or, you know, let, let's even say an adult. Um, let's say Lisa calls you and you're watching. I'm um, that San Diego on your, yep. okay. No, we'll say, we'll say Packers because you're a Packer fan. 100%. Of course. Okay. So you're watching. Oh, I think whoa, I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen here, Chicago Bears fan. Like we so Packers are playing Chicago. Um, it's the Super Bowl, fourth quarter. <laughs> I'm not a sports person, so I gotta get all my terminology right. Fourth quarter and the tied game, and Lisa calls you. Okay. I don't even know if you'd hear her, but you know, she probably would know better than to even call you because she knows like he's not listening, he's not coming. Okay. So that is her dog chasing a squirrel. <laughs> Okay. No, it doesn't mean you can't train it. Trust me. Trust me. It doesn't mean you can't train it. But here's what I always tell my clients. I actually have a visual of this. So I'm a super visual trainer. But, um, you know, kindergarten is you um, training your dog in your living room. Okay? Okay. With a treat. And no other distractions. And he happily comes when called, like you just said. Okay. College is your dog is chasing a squirrel. Okay. Now you and I both know we can't go from kindergarten to college as much as we would like to. All right. And just like kindergarten, you know, Lisa calling you to come when you're across the table from her and she 
has her dessert left over and says, hey, Kale, I don't want this. Do you want it here? And you come and go, yeah, I'll take that dessert. I'm ready to go, yeah. You're right there. There's no distractions. It's very reinforcing. Um, but now, you know, we're competing with the environment. We're going from kindergarten to college. So the short answer of that is you've got to train up the levels. So you have to add distractions into your training. So you might do things like throw a ball for your dog or a toy, have the leash on, call him, call him to come. You might do things like... Um, Go out front with a few treats where there's a little bit of distraction. That would be your, you know, elementary, middle school level. Call them to come. So, number one, it takes up hundreds of times for a dog to learn something. Number two, we can't go from kindergarten to college. You've got to train all the way up it. And number three, dogs are context learners. They learn where you train them. So, if you train them in their living room, your living room, they'll do that beautifully. If you don't train it outside, inside, in the backyard, in the front yard, at the park, they're not going to do it. Got it. And that makes a ton of sense. And I'll tell you that uh, we're, you'll be happy to know that we're getting our yard split with the fence. So they'll only be able to stay in the back when we let them out in the back. And then if we go out front, we, we, when we go with them, then they can go out front with us. Uh, and it'll still be blocked off, but they'll they'll have their limitation there. And, and uh, hopefully that'll... That'll help a lot because I think that boy, if they're up front and there's somebody, you know, walking by with another dog, it just, I can't, they, they don't, they look at me and they're like, yeah, uh-huh, whatever. You know, they just, it, I, I'm nothing. And I have one other challenge. I can't just go out in the yard and get them right. Like I, as soon as I get, hit the okay. sidewalk, I'm like, I can't, you could be five feet away from me and I'm pretty much stuck. And I kind of feel like they know that. They learn your dogs can see in pictures. So they're like, okay. You haven't done this before. My picture is you can't come and get me. Yep. And, and they know and it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And they know that. And now there are times when, you know, and I know this is one of the things that you don't like, but when I, when I get stern, then like, especially the, the older big dog, he's like, okay, I know now he's not messing around anymore. And he, and he comes almost no matter what, if he's really into something, probably not. But most other times, other than being really into something, he he will. Um, the young dog, literally, when we're outside, if I say come, she's just like, ah, I you can't get me. <laughs> just, I don't, and I don't know what that is. Like, why do they feel like trapped when you come when you tell them to come? Well, a lot of things. You know, they're number one. They know you're angry, possibly if you're raising your voice, and you know they're like, I'm not coming to that. You know, if Lisa called you. You'd be like, uh-oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. <laughs> Just decent. We won't pick on you in that way. But, um, you know, a lot of times it's because we sound angry or, again, it's called competing reinforcers. I mean, there's something way more rewarding than you at that moment, okay? And it sounds awful, but, you know, we think we think our dogs should just listen to us every minute of every day. And they just, no species is created to be that way. So, you know, we have to change our mindset a little bit to more like, what have we taught them? And, you know, I always tell people, I'm, I'm a stickler. I could care less about sit. Sit can be hard on the joints. I mean, I could go on and on about why not to overtrain sit. But, you know, I could care less if my dog ever sits. Okay. But I do want them to come when called. So I invest a lot of my time and resources into that. And I always tell, you know, people in my class, even I'm like, we teach a lot of things, but pick your top two or three that really, really resonate with you. Your dog enjoys it. Your dog's good at it. And it's important to you. And for me, what we call recall or come is one of those things. 
So literally when I'm teaching it, I don't let that word cross my lips unless I'm either going to reward my dog in some way. It can be praise. It can be petting. It can be food. It can be play. Or I can bet you $100 they're going to come. And if I can't do that, I'm not going to say that word. Or I am going to, even though I have a fence chart, I'm going to maybe have a 30, 40, 50 foot drag leash on my dog. So now when they go outside, Ah. I'm going to call them to come and I'm going to be able to reinforce and reward that. Nice. And so that was one of the, like in the house, I can see the leash being super helpful, right? Like, I mean, that makes sense. But outside, well, there's all that room and they they got five feet, right? I, I just, that didn't seem very realistic, but you're right. Why not get like a 50 footer and just let her, let her go? We don't have a whole lot of trees to worry about them getting all tangled up in. So I guess we were pretty good that way. Um, all right. So there's that, the training up and putting them in the different environments, especially where they have a challenge. And then uh, the reward. Let me let me ask about the reward real quick. It seems I, all of our dogs are treat motivated. They're food motivated. Um, very much so. But I always feel like, well, if I'm really going to sit down and train them for a while, that's a lot of food. <laughs> it just seems like it's a lot of calories, it seems like. Okay, and and I and and that comes up every single time. So you're not alone in saying that. So I would say it's not so much about um, more food; it's about reallocating the resources. So number one, when I train with treats, I mean, I could show you. I would literally quarter this little treat. Okay, I would quarter this. I like to get a lot for my bucks, bang for my bucks. So I have like this. I would make one treat into four. That's one thing. They just need a little. Second taste. thing is. Is what you're saying. Um, you know, and you want them to want more. Think about it. If somebody gives you a little taste of their dessert and they're like, wow, is that good? You know, yeah, you want another piece as opposed to half the pie, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. I'll cook dinner. What do you want me to do? I'll, you know, for more. Um, so number one, smaller pieces. Number two, food is the number one motivator for most dogs. It literally has the ability to change brain chemistry. I mean, in short, it makes the brain happy, just like you and I. Why do you think we celebrate with birthday dinners and birthday cake? Food makes the brain happy. Like, I will tell it makes my brain happy. So I love using food. But why not use some other, you know, you can use some other food, yeah. their daily food allowance. So again, being the visual teacher I am, I have a, I have a picture of this where I show, you know, if this is their daily food allowance and, you know, half of it's going in the bowl, you know, just pocketing 10% and doing some fun training games with it can, can help you utilize those rewards, but, you know, have them do a little something for it. I love that. And, and we always screw that up, that idea of dinner and breakfast or dinner and breakfast. And all you're doing is adding on to that rather than this treat time, this training time can be part of that whole food mix. Reallocate it. Yeah, just that. reallocate it a little bit and they'll love it. You know, and I've seen dogs that have, a, have gone to clients' homes where the bowl is sitting out and I will literally just play a little game where I'll pick oh, up pieces of this been sitting out 24-7 and I will just call the dog's name and roll the food and they go chase it and eat it like they've never seen it before. And then they come back to me and I go, oh, I call their name, roll a little piece of food down the hallway. So we'll play a game or a bowl of food that's been sitting out for the last 365 days. Dogs just like that engagement. So using their food to engage, um, <laughs> you know, using some of their toys, using the resources. You know, if my dog does want to chase something, you know, make them make eye contact. Then, okay, go chase, go play. Um, 
you know, we call that life rewards. So utilizing their favorite things in life. Um, if they have a favorite toy, my dogs have lots of toys. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not cruel, but like I may keep up the favorite toy. I have, there's a favorite toy or two that I literally always have for myself. Okay. And it is a high value toy. I don't even think I want to tell you on your podcast what it is. I could go get it and show you, but it is a rabbit pellet on the end of a pug toy. Yeah, I've seen those before. I, so, I, I've i had cats that <laughs> will kill or die to get that thing. It's 24-7. I mean, you know, this sold. Um, grab it really quick. Sorry. Okay, so, th- you know, this is the golden toy at my house. Wow, look at that. Disgusting as it is. Ugh. Okay, and so it is not just out anywhere. I mean, if I call my dog to come, we engage with this baby. Boy, they're way more engaged. What? Uh, okay. Is that like, a, so that's a real, did you buy that somewhere? How did you get that? Um, yeah, it's very popular for, um, oh my gosh, I got to put my glasses on for this one. But yeah, you can buy them anywhere. Etsy okay. is probably your best bet. Etsy or eBay. Yeah, but they love that. I mean, I'll they, something. We can call it gross all we want, but man, that kind of thing really works. And they they are motivated by all kinds of different animals. Um, they they chase yeah. the one dog will chase birds all day long. Never caught one, never even came close, but she does it all the time. And then uh, we've got a lot of voles and and moles and chipmunks around here, and they've never caught one of those either. But they love when they see one. It is like game on. We had one go in between some rocks in our in one of our rock walls. And uh, for days, you'd let them out and they would bolt right out to that spot. <laughs> it just, it was just so much fun yeah. for them. And they just, right. it was crazy, crazy. We have bred dogs for thousands of years to do a job. And then now often, and I don't, I don't get me wrong, we want them to come off of what they were bred to do. And you are fighting sometimes an instinctual drive that's, you know, thousands and thousands of years old that we, we, we bred into them to get it better and better and better to create this great hunting dog. And now when they're hunting, we want them to go, Oh, I'm not going to hunt. I'm going to come and sit. And that isn't what we bred them for. Got it. Tell me in 30 seconds to a minute, the recap of the biggest mistakes people make when they're trying to train their dogs. Probably not having enough positive interactions. Okay. I don't know what in this, when this happened, but we brought dogs in our home to do jobs, to work beside us, to hunt, to herd sheep, um, you know, to chase, to be ratters and get rid of mice. And then we brought them into our homes to live with us as pets. And now we think that training them means, no, don't do this. Stop that. Don't do this. And we train by t- trying to teach them what not to do instead of what to do. Got it. Okay, kindergarten, you know, you and I didn't go to kindergarten and we didn't go A, B, F and somebody goes, no, A, B, D, bad. You know, we try to train our dogs or teach them by teaching them what not to do instead of saying, what do we want them to do? And have I trained that? And have I trained that to in another species in a manner that they understand? Okay. And people often say, well, they don't even know the word no. Well, they don't. They don't speak our language. So... By by, the, we need to change our mindset to teaching our dog what we want, not what we don't want. That's probably the biggest mistake I make. I think people do um, or make, and probably the other one would be, um, we don't know what we don't know. 
We get a dog every 15 years. Hopefully our dogs are going to live a long time. Think about it. 15 years ago, you and I would not be having this meeting. We would be talking on a phone that was connected to the wall 15 years ago. Fair enough. So a lot has changed. And I do nothing like I did 20 years ago. I do nothing like I did five years ago because we are learning more and more about dogs being emotional creatures with a brain, with a mentality, much like a toddler. And the more we know, do know better, do better. The um, only train them for what you want them to do is obviously a challenge, right? Because when you see them doing something, especially what, what if it's dangerous, um, yesterday, my dog found a dead chipmunk and he was just all about it. And, and I didn't, I'm like, what is he doing over there? And then I, I go, Oh, I don't want him having a dead chipmunk. And so I, I'm like, no. And he, you know, out of, he steps back right away. But in those moments, obviously there's a reaction on my part that might not be the greatest thing in the world. Uh, but I'm scared that I don't want him to get some disease or whatever. And there still has to be some element where they do need to learn something like no, uh, just for that immediate reaction um so do you i mean is that still part of the training process now or or not really um, at all i teach like leave it in that situation right, right, right. so in that situation my dogs would be taught leave it and drop and i would teach it well and we're, we're always training for the moment not in the moment that's the other mistake we make we wait until there's a situation and then we go hmm how can i address this and you know if, if we haven't taught it and i'm not saying you haven't but like if we haven't taught it and the dog has a mole in their mouth, it's not a training moment. They're like, I just won the lottery. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you are not getting this. So I always tell people train for the moment, not in it. Uh, tell me how people can find out where Carol Sumbury is going to be and how they can take classes. Um, so I do private lessons for training and behavior. Um, and I do them at Umbrick Humane Society in Brookfield. I do them at Petlicious Dog Bakery in Waukesha. Uh, my website is carolskeninetraining.com. And um, I do regular classes. And I'm all about teaching life skills and the things that are important to you. Is there anything coming up that people could uh, look for and sign up for? Yes, I have um, I have a class starting in September. My classes fill up very, very quickly. Um, I believe it's the second week in September. And then I also am currently having classes, but we're doing a renovation at the shelter. There'll be some starting again, probably in October or November with the shelter. But right now I have September. I have a class. Last I checked, it had a few openings. Carol, have a great day. Thank you so much. Uh, one of the things I think needs to be clarified there is the pet toy that she had was a rabbit pelt on a stick. And I could see where dogs would really kind of, kind of be digging that. Um, and uh, if you want any more information about uh, Carol Sumber, you can go to whatseatingkale.com. We'll have a little bit more info on her bio there. Uh, and until then, um, that's What's Eating Kale today. I mean, that's a pretty simple show, don't you think? I think it is. Uh, until the next time, we got a big uh, what to watch list coming up. Until then, make it a good one. <laughs>